Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NFL playoff slate is set. The college football national championship slate is set. The NBA is being played without much trouble. Not as great as the bubble, but not as bad as it could have been. Sports continues to press on. We record this on a night where Congress continues to press on after for the first time since 1814, the state Capitol building was stormed by terrorists and mobists, etc., to simply prove a point. To simply prove a point that they think the election was rigged and the only way to show the world that it was such was to literally break into the state Capitol while those on the Senate floor speak on the next president of the United States. An incredible day in the history of our country. Yet another day we have to speak about on a sports podcast. However, we eventually will get to the sports aspect of things and try to press on with that to bring some form of joy into the world. But for those that thought that 2021 would erase all the wrongdoings of the past year just because the calendar page was different, unfortunately, it took all but six days to prove that would not be the case. And we are not in the rearview mirror of any of the problems that hurt us from the years past. But Al, happy new year. And it's nice to be able to continue doing this show. And thank you all, as always, for listening to us ramble about sports and sometimes, unfortunately, the real world. Unfortunately, Big John, uh, and to all our fans and friends out there, we absolutely thank them for listening and wish them a happy and more now than ever a healthy new year. But we are no longer in holiday mood if we were in one at all with what 2020 has brought us because despite the fact that it looked like we had survived four years of the most incompetent, unqualified, absolutely positively abominable president in the history of this nation. He's attempting to burn the house down before he leaves. And what happened today was unparalleled in the history of this country because this was an insurrection from within. This was not the British attempting to burn down the White House, as you alluded to. Uh, in 1814. This was not Pearl Harbor. This was not 9-11. This was thugs. This was white supremacists. This was the Proud Boys encouraged by one Donald Trump, the soon-to-be ex-president, not a moment too soon, too soon. And if they do decide to enact the 25th, I should say not enact, but bring into play the 25th Amendment, 
and seek to have him removed from office immediately by the vice president and a majority of the cabinet, which would, of course, have to go to Congress if the president objects. Uh, and I loosely call him the president because he's doing nothing presidential hasn't since the election, except bitch and moan about the fact that he lost fairly and squarely. What he did today is out and out treason. What he did today was a crime. He incited quasi-Americas, if they want to call themselves that, to riot, to commit insurrection, to march and then violently break into the Capitol, where our senators and where our congressmen and women are working to ratify the votes of the people as set forth by the Electoral College. He encouraged them. He said, you're here. He said, we're coming. And they just waltzed right in. He refused to bring in the National Guard. He had to be encouraged to bring in the National Guard. He hesitated. Well, a woman died. Well, one of his supporters died, was shot and killed. Who's, support, who, who's fellow, whatever you want to call them, protesters, criminals, insurgents, said she died for her president. I'm sure her family's thrilled with that. And if her family's thrilled with that, good luck. Because that's a sad commentary on what you believe. Because this has all been put forth by a president who spent his entire life spoiled rot. By a father who was a criminal and a bigot. And he's just like his old man. And this is the first thing this left me has been to buy his way out of. And when he couldn't buy his way out of, he tried to figure out a way to hold his breath until he get what he wanted. This makes look call, calling the Georgia State House and the Secretary of State like just picking up the phone and calling a friend and saying, hey, do me a favor. We, in the meantime, committed a crime and should be prosecuted by the state of Georgia. And oh, by the way, pardon yourself, we'll get you out of that one, buddy, because that's not a federal crime. He tried to buy an election. All I need is 11,780 votes. Find me 11,780 votes. That's already erased from our memory by today. He's a thief. He's a criminal. He's a liar. He's a cheat. And he's as phony as the day is long. And you Americans, if you want to call themselves that, you people in the South and they're, that hear my voice, you don't get it in the Southwest. You don't get it in the Midwest. You don't get it in the Northwest. Donald Trump doesn't give a rat's can about you. He couldn't care less. All he cares about is himself. He doesn't want to be your president. He wants to be your dictator. He wants to be your king. Not for the next four years, for the next 40. That's what he's all about. He's as anti-American as the day is long. Save America. Donald Trump is anti-American. And what he did today proved it. He committed treason, insurrection. He should be removed from office in the few days that he's got left, because he's not doing anything presidential. As Joe Biden said, I don't know why he wants the job. He's not doing it. All he does is walk around the country and bitch and moan about the fact that he lost. And the election was stolen from him and rigged. Meanwhile, judges that he appointed said nothing could be further from the truth. But he planted this seed as soon as we had this pandemic blow up. And we determined that we were going to have to do some of this election by mail-in votes. As soon as he knew he was in trouble because the pandemic that he allowed to just grow and grow and grow because he played the denial game when he knew it was, in fact, a pandemic that traveled through air 
incredibly dangerous. As he said to Bob Woodward, this is much more dangerous, Bob. It travels through the air. He knew it, and he denied it. To us, he denied it. Instead of protecting the health and the self-safety and the welfare of the nation, which is first and foremost his job more than any other, he turned his back on all of us, every single one of us, because he was afraid. Because he was afraid it would put a negative spin on his presidency and he wouldn't get reelected. And that's when he started with the elections rigged. As soon as this happened, if I lose, it's rigged. Not if I win. It's okay if I win. But if I lose, it's a fix. And everywhere he's gone, everywhere his phony emperor have no, you know, emperor's wearing no clothes, the emperor with no clothes, everywhere these phony supporters have gone and tried this cock and bull story before every court in this nation, they've been kicked out on their can. It's been embarrassing. It's been embarrassing to this nation how an attorney in his right mind could go in there and make these arguments where the judges and the courts are literally laughing them out and kicking them out because there is no merit to these arguments in every court, in every jurisdiction that they've been brought. And yet he stands up there and as a last resort, he incites his supporters, who he's lied to, and created support by lying to them to come to the Capitol and march and violently break into the Capitol and stand down and not bring in the National Guard. Meanwhile, that Capitol building was protected like it was Fort Knox, like it was the White House when it was signed for the Black Lives Matter march. How many black folks do you think would have shot on the steps if they tried to do what happened today with the Proud Boys, with the mega supporters? How many do you think would be dead instead of one? Hundreds, thousands. They would have been shot on sight. Instead, let's just open the gates and let them in. Remove the barricades. No preparation, no notion that they're coming, no idea whatsoever. What the hell do you think was going to happen? He's been stirring this up since the Wednesday after the election with the rigging routine. He's been creating chaos for four years. What did you think he was going to go peacefully? He told you he wouldn't go. And meanwhile, you stand there and you let him just waltz in, break windows, break down the doors. And one of your own got killed. She died for her president. And where was her president? Holed up in the White House, probably hidden under the desk, holding his breath like a brat, like the giant brat that he is. Well, let me tell you something. Southwest, Southeast, Tommy Tuberville, Alabama. Thank you for bringing us a great football team and the dumbest senator in the history of this country. This guy's dumber than a box of fucking rocks. And he's standing up there like a buffoon saying the first thing he's going to do is challenge the election. Let me tell you something, Tommy. I thought you were a rotten football coach. You're even a worse senator. You're a fucking idiot. And for this Brett Favre lookalike with his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, they're going to take your sorry white supremacist trash ass and throw your bum ass in jail. You want a piece of me, you fucking bum? You're going to fucking jail. You're an insurrectionist, you piece of shit. Breaking down the fucking doors with your feet up on her desk. Who the hell are you carrying guns in there? Those are federal crimes. Plain and simple. Those are federal grounds. Carrying illegal weapons. Destroying federal property. Trespassing on federal property. Those are criminals. Plain and simple. Those are revolutionaries. Those are insurrectionists. Arrest all their fucking sorry asses. That's pathetic. And you've got this bum up there in the Rose Garden saying, we love you. We love you. There's some good people out there. Find me one. 
you scumbag, you piece of garbage. First thing you got to do when January 20th comes is fumigate the place. Get the stench out from that piece of shit that they should take out of there in cuffs. And by the time Cyrus Vance gets done with them and the attorney general of the state of New York gets done with them, and in all probability, the attorney general of the state of Georgia gets done, that's exactly where he's going. Contribute more to his defense fund because he's going to need every goddamn penny to pay back the debt he's going to have for all the money he owes because he's broke and his defense fund. He's going to fucking jail and not a moment too fucking soon because you people, you think you know what he is? He's a phony, he's a thief, and he's a fucking criminal. And that's where criminals belong, behind fucking bars. And I hope they take him out at fucking cost. I hope that's the memory you have of your president leaving the White House in handcuffs which is what he should have been in a long fucking time ago because he's nothing more than a two-bit phony, a liar, a cheat, and a criminal. I've watched him and followed him for 40 fucking years. You've known him for four. I know exactly what he is. He showed it today more than ever. Piece of garbage. And finally, on January 28th or January 20th, we clear the garbage and the stench out of the White House. Can't say it any better. Hard to say it any better than that. It was shameful isn't even strong enough of a word for that. That, that, that That's far too nice. Far too nice. That's far too nice. For actions. And, nice. and we, we've seen incidences like this throughout the four years of his presidency, Charlottesville, other protests, these rallies of unrest and stupidity, but it hasn't gotten to the point where it's gone to the Capitol building and they got inside. You're watching this on television and it looks like a scene of several high schools on a school field trip. It looks like, on the what, it looks like, what, it looks like I'm watching white house down. There's pictures of these people inside. Now they break through the doors and the windows Al, but when they get into the actual Capitol, they still walk in the velvet ropes single file like they're about to take a free tour with their phones out taking pictures of the place sitting at mike pence's desk what in christ's in the name are you doing and sitting behind nancy pelosi's desk with your feet on the desk there's the no brett Favre, the, the, the brett Favre look alike and she as people should know hopefully is third in line to become president if things go awry it's president trump vice president pence nancy pelosi and this clown just got right into her office. No weapons, no pickaxes, no tire irons, just waltzed right in. They've got all the weapons. Took a seat. Capitol Police standing down. Just walk in. Back it up. There's one guy everybody? with a baton running up Where? the stairs and, like, wailing it at them and then going, all right, that's not going to work. That's it, that's not going to work. It's too bad. What, where where was everybody? What is happening? Where was everybody? You would think... The, the Japanese were invading all over Pearl Harbor when it was the Black Lives Matter protest. Anybody coming up those steps is going to be shot on sight. These guys just waltz right in. Every one of them white. Every one of them. Everyone looking like a hick from French fucking lick. All right? With the Confederate flags. Fearing what? That America's going to be taken over by the black man. They're going to lose... Their white superiority. All first class, full fledged bigots 
plain and simple. That's all it is. That's what he appeals to. White superiority, KKK. Those good folks in Charlottesville. There's some good folks down there. Absolutely participating. Good folks on both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some good folks storming the White House today. Showing their true colors. You've convinced them because you've poisoned their minds. I like Jim. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's the Jim Jones president. If you get, do me a favor, take all those people, give them the punch. Give them the punch. Every one of them, give them all the punch. Do I know something? I don't need those people in my America. Those aren't Americans. Those are terrorists. Those are criminals. Those are insurgents. Insurgents. Insurrectionists. They all belong in jail. They all committed treason today. They all committed federal crimes. And very few of them are going to suffer any prosecution whatsoever. I hope the new attorney general goes after every fucking single one of them and arrests them and charges them with the highest crime possible and puts them away for as long as possible. See how much they like it from inside of those bars. See how much they like it. They're disgraceful. Shameful doesn't be shameful. Shameful is what Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley are doing. Disgraceful, shameful. That's what they're doing. What these people did is criminal. It's treason. Unacceptable by Americans. We expect that from our enemies, not from our fellow citizens. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we've been a laughing stock for three plus years now with how the country's been run and some of the different people that speak on the country's behalf. But you can't tell me there's not enemies overseas watching this on TV today and tonight and thinking to themselves, that's all we have to do to get into the Capitol building of the United States, brandish a couple flags and not be black. Let me get on the next flight. I'll see you guys in Nine or ten hours. I got a private the problem, jet. The problem is that they're going to have to put together a bunch of guys that look like these guys. Couple fake beards, some flannel shirts, and a, a lot of flannel shirts. Hats, and we're some we can get hats, right in. We got our cameras around our neck. Some Confederate flags. Hey, we saw on TV. Age, you guys middle aged are... women who said we're coming back. Joe Biden's not the president. Some middle aged women with the MAGA hats and the sin. They lighten up the heaters. Okay. Tell you something, folks. You think you're Americans? Fat chance. You don't even know what the Constitution is. Try reading it. If you can read. Fat chance. He sure doesn't know what it is. He can't read anyway. He's got no idea what the Constitution is. Separation of powers. Rule of law. Just does what he wants. He operates like Putin. That's why he's so bad. That's why Putin is idle. That's what he wants. That's why he's so, such buddies with him. That's what he wants to be. Sorry, bud. You stole one election. You lost the popular vote. Somehow, some way, you won it. Don't know how you did it. Maybe with Russians help. Don't know. Probably the dislike of Hillary from the women was a huge help. But that's for another day. You had your four years. We've suffered. We've dealt with it. We've survived. And we survived an insurrection today. From within. Instigated and caused 100% by the President of the United States. Worst case scenario, in 14 days, we get to say the ex-president of the United States, if not soon. And just to go to show the type of people that are surrounding the president of the United States and the White House, you know, every day they put out their 
daily briefing or their guidance or what's going to be happening on a day-to-day basis. It's not everything that the president does, but they usually throw something together, where he's traveling to, who he's speaking with. The press isn't involved in this. Since a couple weeks back when all this started to go downhill, now the wording that they use on the daily briefing is as follows. Quote, President Trump will work from early in the morning until late into the evening. He will make many calls and have many meetings. Oh, (laughs) you don't say. That's what our president of the United States is up to. Many meetings, many calls. He's making those 18 calls to the Secretary of State of Georgia. It's like a Dr. Seuss poem telling everybody what he plans to do for the day. Uh, So that's, that's where we're left. That's the lasting legacy. People overseas, put a camera around your neck and a red hat on your head. You're here for the tour. Hey, I saw it on TV. You guys are giving out free tours to the Capitol, aren't you? If I just stay in these velvet ropes. I want to sit in the vice president's seat. I sit in the desks and take a picture where the Senate speaks? Come on. I saw it on television. I'll slip you a $5 bill. That's Nancy's desk. I'm going to go put my feet up. Take a shot of me. Get a load of me, Brett Favre lookalike. You dumb fuck. Go back to fucking wherever the hell you're from. Because you ain't from anywhere that I want to be from. I don't care if you're from South Carolina. I don't care if you're from Ohio. I don't care if you're from Georgia. Wherever the fuck you are, go the fuck home and crawl in your fucking hole. We usually talk like this on this show, folks. You want to know something? If the shoe fits, wear it. Sometimes you got to deal with trash. And today, America got exposed. Because all its trash, or a good chunk of it anyway, showed up in Washington to follow its leader. Now, before the state capitol was figuratively burning the excitement of the week was of the nfl playoffs the most exciting time of the year for the majority of sports fans for whatever reason it may be and it did go mostly to chalk how we talked about it last time we were on the show My thinking was in the AFC, the team that would be on the outside looking in would end up being the Miami Dolphins. Sure enough, the Miami Dolphins, the team outside looking in after getting train wrecked by the Buffalo Bills, mostly second string, somewhat first string. They didn't sit that game out in the least. And Tua Tungavailoa, to this point, stinks. Now he's only a rookie. There's a chance he'll definitely get better. But with Fitzmagic having to miss the game with COVID, I didn't think the Dolphins had a prayer, and they really had no prayer. Just getting blown out of the stadium, and unfortunately out of the postseason, but not unfortunately for you because in come the Baltimore Ravens, the hot Baltimore Ravens, traveling to Tennessee, getting points, Al. Look at the excitement in the AFC. We got some exciting matchups. Our Cleveland Browns made it in by the skin of their teeth against the backup quarterback on the Steelers, Mason Rudolph. But when you just look at it on paper, everything went according to plan, at least on our show. We'll get to see Phil Rivers sling the ball around a little bit, perhaps one last time. No one knows for certain, but he's in. So we got a couple exciting matchups in this first wild card weekend coming up on Saturday and Sunday. In, in, indeed we do. And you described it perfectly on this program. We both thought 
that Miami was uh, an inferior product and they got their heads handed to them with their season on the line in Buffalo. Uh, Tua was no match for the Buffalo defense. The Buffalo offense, special teams, ran roughshod over the, over the fish. Uh, the Ravens, I thought, would have a much more difficult time in Cincinnati because Cincinnati had been playing very well. But the Ravens did what they do best. They played bully ball against an inferior opponent, and nobody beats up on inferior opponents like the Baltimore Ravens. And they completely flummoxed the Bengals as they did to the Jaguars, as they did to the Giants. Uh, the only team that really, in this last six, gave them a run, obviously, was, uh, excuse me, in these last five, was the Browns, which was the thriller, um, the 47-42 game with the cover on the safety. Uh, Lamar coming out of the locker room uh, to play Superman. Uh, so they've beaten up on a bunch of incredibly bad slash mediocre teams. And they roll into Jacksonville uh, against the team that's beaten the last two times. Earlier this season, uh, where they went up and down the field against Jackson, or excuse me, Jacksonville against the Titans, where they went up and down the field against Tennessee, but could not stop them in the second half and ran out of gas against Derrick Henry. And as a result, they wound up losing in overtime. And, of course, we know what happened last year in the first round, uh, excuse me, their first playoff game after the first round buys the one seed where Lamar played poorly and their offense never really got rolling. They turned it over a bunch of times and Henry ran rough And they were out of the playoffs despite the fact being the one seed after the bye. Well, now they have a chance for revenge. Lamar Jackson's the key. Can he take care of the football? Move the ball consistently against a Tennessee defense that has been like a sieve. They've been giving up 40 points a pop to everybody under the sun. Packers last week to you know an incredibly bad football team in Houston, but a good offensive team. And the question becomes, can the Ravens go in there and take care of the football and keep Derrick Henry under control? If so, they will win the game. If Lamar Jackson starts turning it over again and they're bouncing off of Derrick Henry, then Titans move on and the Ravens are one and done again. I think the Ravens, who are healthy as they can be after the loss of you know, Ronnie Stanley, their best offensive lineman, all pro, but everybody else, for the most part, they have back. Um, pretty much everybody back on defense, pretty healthy on offense except for Stanley. Uh, they're playing the best they play. And this is a better Raven offense than last year. The running game is better between Gustavus Edwards, who is Thunder, and the rookie J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, who is Lightning. That's a better group than was led by Mark Ingram last year and some Gus Edwards and some others. So I think the Raven offense is better. And it's a huge game for them. It's a mammoth game for Lamar to prove himself. I think what he needs to do is stay under control and be patient. And if that happens, he takes care of the football. I think they will win. The game I want to ask you about before we get to more in the playoffs, I do want to ask your opinion on the controversy for the last game of the season. What were your thoughts on Doug Peterson going to his backup quarterback, not just going to him, but going to him when he went to him with the Redskins season on the line Vis-a-vis, they win, they get in, they lose, the Giants are in. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I hated it in one example 
in the fact that I had the Jalen Hurts over rushing prop for the game at 56. And because he got taken out when he did, there was no chance of it hitting. So shame on Doug for doing that. Aside from the money aspect, it's interesting because if you talk to enough people about it and former players, coaches, they'll tell you that teams do this. For example, teams do this when they're good. The Chiefs did this. The Steelers did this. They didn't throw the game, but they basically said, we're not going to try to really beat you guys. And teams do that all the time and are granted the privilege to do it when they're good. When they've done enough in a season to be the best teams, you could sit your stars the week leading into the postseason and probably should to avoid injury and to give them more rest. What was unique to this situation was the situation itself. I can't recall it being in a game where a team was a make or break to make the postseason. One team, if they win, was going to get in. It's a division rival of yours, and you control the cards for that scenario and impact your entire division. So you can look at it in several ways. Like, well, who do you hate more? Do you hate the Cowboys more? Do you hate the Giants more? Do you hate the Redskins more, Philadelphia Eagles? If he had come out and just told the public straight up, listen, we don't want to get Jalen Hurts hurt in our final football game on Sunday. We have some other guys injured. Here's our quarterback Here's who we're going to play here. Here's who we're going to play there. We're still going to try to win the game, but this is the lineup we're putting out onto the football field. We might've complained about it at the time, because again, this impacts the postseason. It's going to impact the playoff, no matter win or lose. But then we would have got over it. The fact that the NFL switched this game to national television, eight o'clock at night, everybody's watching and we see the Eagles competing. Jalen hurts is out there slinging it, going up against Alex Smith. These guys want to play. And what's different about the NFL compared to other leagues is that we don't really see the tanking on the field. Obviously the jets sucked. The fans wanted them to lose all their games, but the players don't give a shit about that. They don't care about the number one draft pick. Sam Darnold isn't going out there to throw the game. So you could draft the guy that's probably going to take his job. It's a little bit different in the NFL based on when guys go out there, they're going out there to play. They're going out there to win and it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. So that's kind of what you expected the Eagles to do to have an opportunity to win the game and be close to winning the game, be right in the game, and then decide on a fourth and short. Instead of tying it at 17, we're going for it. All right, a curious call at that, but all right, last game of the season, maybe let's be a little aggressive against this Redskins team. Who knows what the Eagles' defense is looking like. When you take out Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter and put in Nate Stidham, who, by the way, $2 million he made this year, Al. I mean, another one of my quarterbacking heroes in this league where they're the backup, the third string backup. They make millions upon millions of dollars. Can't throw the football a lick, but damn it. Get that check every week. doesn't matter to me how you look, keep getting paid young man. So they put him in the game and basically throw it. When you put him in the game, you throw it. So they show the sideline Jalen hurts 
seemingly beside himself, visibly pissed off. You could maybe see what he was mouthing. Like, it makes no sense, different things. You don't know if he was actually speaking about the situation. He could have been talking about something else, but he didn't look happy. Supposedly, guys on the team weren't happy. Might have had to be held back from our favorite head coach in Philadelphia. The situation could have been handed so much better than it was, and that's the problem with it. It's different if you want to tank the game. If you have your reasonings for wanting to do that, you know what? Go ahead. But the way you go about it is it was incredibly poor to go about it the way Doug Peterson did. He had, there, there had been talk in, in for the, amongst the Philly press people that he had said that the kid was going to play. We know he's awful, right? but that's not the hair to there. You don't beam him in for the fourth quarter of a game on the line for the team you're playing, where the game is on the line and the season is on the line for the team that you're playing and for another team. You don't have any duty to that other team at all. You have a duty of respectability. You have a duty of, I don't want to say honor, but simply doing things the right way. Well, if you want to see this kid, which is what you said, here's what you do. You tell Jalen Hurts going to the game with Jalen, you know, you're the quarterback, obviously. This game means nothing for us. I know it means, means something to you. Go and play your heart out. Of course, we want to win. We're playing the game and win the game. But we got to get a look at this kid. We're not we're going to bring him back next year. Is it, is it, you know, we, we, so where was we going to do? You're going to play the first half, and then kids are going to play the second half. That's where we're going to handle That way, everybody knows. And you give the kid a fighting chance because you go and you do your – he's prepared. You go and you do your adjustments. The, the, the much values, they always talk about who makes the better adjustments at halftime. So you go in, you give him a fair fighting chance, you sit down with him, you run through your halftime adjustments, and he goes, oh, he starts the second half. And it looks so much better because you know, you're not just dropping him in. He's not just parachuting in all of a sudden to try and win the game. But he's got no chance to do so. Incredibly poorly handled by Doug Peterson and poorly handled by the whining Joe Judge. Your team won six fucking games. Yeah, we didn't need that from Joe. We didn't need that. Whining about you'll never see my team do that. How about your team win some games? Joe, six and ten. And remember, this is you could only want, you could only figure out a way to win six fucking games in a division where the winner had seven. And you played those teams. You played all those teams twice. You played six games against those guys. And the most games you could win all season in the worst fucking division in sports and in recent NFL history, you won six. Six games. And you're going to bitch and moan. What are you bitching about? Your team sucks. Team blows. You're not a playoff team. You didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. So stop whining. Stop complaining. That's the way Doug decided to handle it. He coaches his team his way. I coach my team my way. Would I have done it that way? I haven't been in that position yet. So quite frankly, I doubt it, but we'll see what happens if I'm ever in that position. But that's the, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. I don't have any Super Bowls. So, you know, he gets to coach his team the way he wants. And uh, I'll coach my team the way I want. So that's for, what for Joe judge. You could under you could maybe understand. Let me 
show this to my players where I stand on the issue and they'll probably back him. And they were vocal on Twitter throughout the whole game. A lot of giants guys were ripping the Eagles and rightfully so. I understand the argument of win more than six games. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously win more than six games. We're not having this discussion, but you still have to talk about what the situation actually was. And for Doug Peterson to potentially put his locker room up on the line to make a decision like that. I mean, the franchise, I would think, is hopeful that Jalen Hurts is going to be their quarterback for the next several years. Well, now you just looked him in the eye and said, hey, man, in a close game, we don't trust you. I have my reasonings. It's not you. It's me. And he's looking at this dude like, what are you talking about, man? I want a fucking national championship coming in to save the day. You don't think I could bring us back in the fourth quarter? He's not thinking about, oh, well, we, we can move our draft pick from nine to six. They don't yeah, care you saw, about that. You saw that. the look on his face. You, saw, you, saw, you could read his lips. And the team doesn't care about that. They're looking over at Doug bringing in this doofus. Really? This is who we're bringing in to save the game? It just was a terrible look that you could have avoided if you were just up front with everybody. And then after the game, making excuses, well, we had Zach Ertz on the field and this guy was playing and that guy was out there. So obviously we were trying to win. But you do them an injustice. Jesus, man. What are you doing? You do them an injustice. Exactly. It didn't make any sense. Give the kid kid a half so he's not so ill-equipped because he looked totally lost. Totally lost. Fumbling snaps, throwing balls up for grabs. He's been there for four years. You know exactly who it is. This was like what you do in high school when the ball boy or the team manager is a senior and it's senior night and you want to get him in for a play or two and show him off to the parents. That's what he looks You don't do this with NFL players. That's what he (laughs) looks What the hell was happening? Well, now the Redskins get rewarded with getting to the postseason and getting to play Tom Brady. Great. (laughs) Thanks a lot. And they get a home playoff game, which is ridiculous. That is. And a rule that has to change. Because as I I alluded to before, if you can only win, in their case, seven games in that hideous freaking division where you play those teams six times, that's all you can muster. If you can't make 500 in your division, hit the road. The NFL says, well, we have to reward the, the division winner. They are rewarded. To be the playoffs. That's the only reward they should get. Right. We agree. Pack, Eight, pack, pack, at least 500 or bust. Pack your bags and hit the road. If you're under 500, you don't get a home playoff game right. in the National Football League. Sorry. Because that means, again, think about it. That means you won a division where you were under 500 and it's the worst division in the sport and in recent history. And you couldn't get to 500 playing those teams six times? You couldn't sweep those teams and squeak out two other wins somewhere in your other in, in your other ten games? No, sorry, sorry, absolutely ludicrous and unacceptable. No home playoff game for a seven and nineteen. Absolutely not. It's embarrassing, and I have no ill will towards the Washington Football Team. I'm rooting for Alex Smith, obviously. Although I'm scared shitless every time I watch him drop back to pass. Yeah. I'm telling you that as a sports fan and as a, a, a as a person with a heart and as a person who also suffered a very badly broken leg in high school, I have to tell you, every time I watch him go back to pass, I hold my breath. Or when the Eagles defender on the line jumped off sides, basically sealing the game for the Redskins on it was either the third and short or fourth and short. 
And then he crawls ahead and dives at Alex Smith's legs and he I, knocks I, him I down. Where I, was the flag? I, started, I like I like cringe. Where was the flag? I almost want to like turn away and cringe. Down Sometimes he goes. I'm like, um, I hope he didn't twist or, or break anything on this on this guy after the whistle, purposely going after his leg. It's ludicrous. Which, the, I mean, the, if you're going to do that, I, guy, what are you waiting for the, the end of the game for? The, the game's over. The, <laughs> you know. That's the way. That's the way I watch the Redskins every week. I, I, when he when he goes back to pass, I hold my breath. I really do. I get skittish. Very concerned. So they take on Tampa Bay in for no reason other than. Obviously, Tom Brady. That is the Saturday night special. Believe it or not. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Right, that's the Saturday. Yeah, eight fifteen NBC. Line Saturday night, correct? Yep. So that's incredibly disappointing that that game is in prime time because I I think Tampa will, Tampa will annihilate Washington unless, of course, that tremendous young front front four can put nonstop pressure on Brady, which is a possibility. You never know. They're capable, and he's capable of a stinker. Uh, one pressured, we've seen that, but I would be shocked. I don't like any of the uh, the road teams with the possible exception of the Ravens. I think all of the home teams will roll. I think uh, Seattle will take care of the Rams. Uh, we don't know who's going to play quarterback yet for the Rams, but regardless of who it is, I just think Seattle, with Russell Wilson, in the postseason, is not going to – I don't think they're if it should be a route, it might be, but uh, you know, I, I just would be shocked if Russell Wilson loses his first playoff game. I really would. They have too many weapons. Uh, I know he's had not nearly as good a, a last two thirds of the season's first third, and that offense hasn't been nearly as good. But their defense in the second half of the season played much better. The Rams' offense—you never know what you're going to get. You know, they got a terrific defense. They got the best defensive player in the sport. But is that going to be enough? And are they going to be able to? get enough stops against an offense that hasn't been able to score. That's your Ram team. Kudos to you in the preseason. I remember you picked them for the playoffs. I laughed. Now, I did think the Browns were going to make the playoffs, but I also didn't pick the Steelers to make the playoffs. It's the hard knocks pick. and Thankfully, I went with them go. and not there the other go. L.A. team. So, uh, you know, what, which of the NFC games intrigues you, if any? Well, the defenses for both the Chicago bears and the Washington football team could make the games close. If you end up with a fumble return for a touchdown or a pick six, that's, I mean, what they're going to need to happen. They're literally going to need that to happen to win those games, I think. But because of those defenses, you never know in the postseason. you come out rusty, at least in the first half and it's close for whatever reason, it wouldn't shock me to see that with the bears defense. It wouldn't shock me to see that. With the Redskins, I'm sorry, the WFT defense, because we have seen that impact Brady in a couple games this season. And the Seahawks suck as far as having large leads. The spread is three and a half to John Wolford, Al. They're going to win by three. It's going to be another Russell Wilson special. He has the ball late. The Rams scored two touchdowns on defense. He's got to drive them down the field for the game-winning field goal, and he's pegged the hero when he should be pegged the loser because he couldn't cover the three in the hook. So is that going to be the closest of the NFC games? I think, I think it will, just because it's the Seattle Seahawks, and they can never play a game that's not weird, strange, and off the wall. You would think the Saints, 
I, I wouldn't say blow out the Bears, but handle the Bears. You would think especially, the same with the Bucks. Especially, especially at home. Yeah, especially at home. And, you know, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, you're not going to put your faith in Mitch Trubisky, are you? So those two teams should handle their opponents. To the AFC we go. We've talked about uh, – I've talked about the Ravens. Who do you think is going to win that game? Another fascinating game defensive-wise. It was fascinating for me against the Texans to just flash back real fast to last week when Derrick Henry needed 200-plus yards to break 2,000 yards, and you knew he was going to run the ball, and they were going to run it down your throat, and they still couldn't stop it. Then at the end of the game, the Titans know that the Texans need to score. I'm sorry, I reversed the rules. The Texans scored, and the Titans then needed to score to win the game because it was tied, not going overtime. You know they have to pass it now. Ryan Tannehill throws a Russell Wilson slash Aaron Rodgers beauty of a deep bomb to A.J. Smith, who catches it in stride and immediately gets in a field goal range. What the hell are you doing on defense, man? J.J. Watt, instead of yelling it at his players in front of the media, yell at them during the game to get back. Get back there. Have it just be me rushing the quarterback. Everybody run back. Get, how about JJ gets to the quarterback once in a while? Everybody run back. Yeah, that that's not a great uh, thing that's been happening with him either. He he has not been the elite JJ Watt of old. Granted, there's always multiple people on him at times, but he hasn't been lighting it up as usual. So in this example, you know if you're the Titans that Lamar Jackson is probably going to try to run the football or hand it off to his running backs. If you're the Ravens, you know they're going to do the same with Henry because you don't want to put the ball in the hands of Ryan Tannehill. So I think the Ravens should try to get Ryan Tannehill to beat you and just play the football you've been playing the last four or five games. They look well, great. Lamar's taken off. He, he's running a lot more, Lamar, and he's Lamar throwing Jackson it a lot better. Is, Lamar Jackson has not played a good playoff game yet. He's he played not. two miserable playoff games. He is not, and so, it is in Tennessee, the game as well. There is a lot on the line for him now. There's never a crowd has got to deal with, uh, or if, if a crowd are not, not a very good. So uh, I would be, I'm not going to say surprised. I'm just going to be incredibly disappointed. You know, I've been one of his biggest critics about his inability to take care of the football and right. stand in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. Well, first thing you got to do is take care of the football. If you take care of the football, you got a better chance to throw the ball down the field. If you take care of the football, that means you're not going to have short fields. That means you're probably going to be able to run the ball, play action, etc. Be very judicious in your decision-making. Don't make foolish throws. Don't scramble around like a chicken with your head cut off with the ball out there loosely and not paying attention to ball security which is incredibly important. If you turn the – look, the NFL is very simple, especially in the postseason. If you turn the football over, you would lose. It's as simple as that. It's a very simple equation. Very simple. It's a simple game, football. We don't know why teams have so much problems with it when they play. they got to listen to our show more. And especially we, for if, him if, playing if, the Titans, this is a great defense – I mean, I shouldn't say it's a great defense. All defenses have some sort of qualities that are going to try and get you down. But if you're going to have to play a defense in the first round, having never won a playoff game, I think the odds should be in your favor for this, having it be the Tennessee Titans defense. Now, the offense is going to try to keep you off the field, but show us something, man. Let's go. 
Let's see. It. And and that that should be their job too. They, the Titans have their defense has been miserable. They've not been able to put any pressure on the passer. Right. They should be able to run the ball right down their throat. Some play action, mix it in. Uh, I expect the Ravens' offense to play well. How long you can contain Derrick Henry is a different story. They must do a better job tackling. So many sloppy, broken tackles in the first game. From Henry and the wide, the big wide receivers, they must do a better job defending. They must do a better job tackling. They did a very poor job tackling in game one, and it cost them the game. Can old folks, can Phil Rivers with the Cowboy tie and his coach go home to Buffalo against the Bills Mafia, the two seed, the hottest team in football? Hot in the Ravens, hot in the Packers. Can they go into Buffalo and knock off the red hot Buffalo Bills? If there was ever a son of a bitch in the National Football League that would be the it's quarterback to beat the Bills it's in this Phillip scenario, Rivers. it's Philip Rivers. It's Philip Rivers. I'll tell you what's going to happen. No matter what, I think we're going to get vintage Phil Rivers. We're under two minutes, ball in hand, down a score. Let's cook. I think they'll be able to somehow keep it close because I think their running game has gotten to the point where they'll be able to lean on that a little bit and they'll need to, to keep Josh Allen off the field because what he's been doing with Stefan Diggs and co is it's incredible. They just go out there and start slinging it. And Phillip rivers is looking at this dude. Like, yeah, I used to do that, but watch me do this. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to be the blowout. Many people do. Well, but I won't you know, give them the win. I, I'll just say that they might be able to keep it close. But if there's anybody that's going to do it, Philip Rivers on his one last ride. The, the key has got to be Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. He's been running the football very well. Big game last week. And right now, that's their best weapon. It's not Phil Rivers. The best weapon is Jonathan Taylor controlling the ball and doing everything you can to keep the Bills' offense off the field. Because that big offensive line has done a great job protecting Phil Rivers this year, and Jonathan Taylor, the second half of the season, has really come into his own. He has been prone in his college career to put the ball on the floor, yeah, put the ball on the table, excuse me, put the ball on the ground. Uh, his buddy Ryan used to say about Eric Dickerson, he'll put it on the ground for you a couple times a game. Jonathan Taylor has been known to do that. He has not done it so far very much, fortunately, for – uh, the Colts in his rookie season, and he is really coming on. So can he be a factor in controlling the football and keeping that red hot Buffalo bill offense off the field? I think he can. Yeah. I think this game is going to be closer than people think. I think the bills will win, but the question becomes if it's close late, does their young quarterback get tight? I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying that's what we always worry about with young quarterbacks and inexperience in the postseason. It happened to him last year. He got tight. Right. And he got sloppy with the football. And what happens when you get sloppy with the football, the National Football League? You lose. Let's see if he learned his lesson. You're going to look over to the sidelines with Phil Rivers spitting venom at you, talking shit the whole game. Oh, the whole game. Come on, Josh. Talking shit to everybody. And that leaves us with. You know, a third game, which is a rematch of last week, which just when you thought the Browns were safe 
and ready to roll into the playoffs. Suddenly, with a backup quarterback, they're a two-point conversion away of the Arthur Modell, the curse of Arthur Modell rearing its ugly head once again. But they survive. They defend the two-point conversion. They recover the onside kick. They win. They go to the playoffs. But, of course, now the Modell curse rears its ugly head again. In what fashion? The virus. They will not have their coach, who is their play caller. That will fall on former Buffalo Bill, former Pitt Panther, Alex Van Pelt, who will do the play calling, who is a very well-respected offensive coordinator play caller. But they will not have their head coach. They will not have their best offensive lineman. So they will definitely go in there against a now-rested Ben Roethlisberger and company, shorthanded. Can the Cleveland Browns, who have not won a road playoff game, these Cleveland Browns, not my Cleveland Browns, my Cleveland Browns slash Baltimore Ravens have won road playoff game as the real former Browns. But the Browns franchise, if you want to call them that, this group and the Browns before they left for Baltimore have not won a road playoff game since 1969, I believe. And what were you doing in 1969? What was I doing? I was watching the Browns <laughs> beat Dallas and Craig Morton for the second consecutive year after they had pounded Don Meredith and the Cowboys the prior year to end Don Meredith's career. I was watching the Browns and Bill Nelson pummel the Cowboys and then get absolutely obliterated by Joe Cap and company in the NFC title game before Joe Cap and company went on to Super Bowl four and got beaten up, physically annihilated by Henry Stram's Kansas City Chiefs. I that's was, what I was minus doing. 20 years old. So that's exactly that's what, what we I do the show that we do. Those are the Cleveland Browns with the great Leroy Kelly. Right? Um, who was the last NFL rusher, uh, I believe, to lead the league in rushing two consecutive years with uh, consecutive years of most carries and most yards. I believe it was Leroy Kelly before Derrick Henry. How them apples. All right? Look it up. I believe I am correct. That <laughs> is the old report portion of the program. Uh, but I think that Pittsburgh wins this game. Uh, I'm rooting for Cleveland because I like Baker uh, and I hate the Steelers, but I would be very, very, very surprised if uh, the Browns win this football game. Very, very surprised. I would as well. I don't really know much about Kevin Stefanski as a head coach. If you ask me on a down week who the Browns head coach was, I'd probably forget. I still don't really remember. He is their head coach, but he's obviously been doing something right. And even though there's a ton of other coaches on football teams and he'll still have some input on the game, him not being there, just as you mentioned, another bad sign for the Cleveland Browns franchise, finally in the postseason after 18 years, the Steelers have had games this year where they've absolutely stunk, but this isn't big Ben's first rodeo playing. So the, the only road team that we like is my Baltimore Ravens. That is what it's looking like. Let's finish up with the national title game. Uh, we were right about Alabama. I was dead wrong 
about Clemson and Ohio State. Clemson was clearly overrated. They played in a phony conference, uh, even though it's our ACC. Uh, I'm the only one on the planet who thinks Trevor Lawrence is overrated. Jury is still out for me on the Ohio State quarterback, but he showed me a lot. Showed me a lot. Did he throw the ball like that? And he showed me a lot of guts. Took another cheap hit from that same Clemson linebacker who plays like an idiot. Glad he got kicked out. Did the same thing last year against LSU. He's never going to learn. Hopefully he won't paralyze himself someday because he continually hits with his head down, helmet first. And that's the way he hit Fields. Fields survived, was hurt clearly, but fought through it and had an absolutely otherworldly game. And those were real touchdown throws. Those were big-time throws. Those weren't guys wide open. Those are guys open by a step, two steps. Those were big-time pro throws. Lawrence looked shaky in the pocket, didn't take care of the football, and the Clemson defense was pathetic. And Dabo maybe bit off a little more than two for a change. So, No one feeling bad for Dabo, shockingly. No, I don't think so. Well, we I, men- I mentioned it, and you added to it last time we did the show. Dabo's commentary about Ohio state being the 11th seed isn't new as far as him making commentary around the college football playoff games. He's been doing this since they've been in college football playoff games to get the press and the storylines off his team. Dabo never met a microphone. We get it, but it's usually worked. He's usually backed it up. This instance you thought, well, he must know something we don't because they're going to go out and blow the, doors off of Ohio state, the way he's talking about it. And it was the complete reverse. I was shocked at how badly both sides of the football ended up playing. I mean, you are looking at what the defense isn't able to do. They can't contain Justin Fields. They can't get to him in the pocket. He's got all day to throw and they can't stop the run. And there's instances in the game where I understand that you're in your own field, but it's fourth and three you're down a couple scores, you punt. All right, maybe you, your defense is going to come along. What do we know? You must know more than we do. Hell, the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, was out. Maybe he's the one that's been fucking calling the defensive plays too, and we just think it's Brent Venables because whatever he was doing wasn't working. Ohio State scores. Next time down, it's fourth and four. You punt again. All right, you can argue fourth and four a little bit longer, understandably so. You come down a third time after they score again. It's fourth and short again. And you're at the 39, say, or whatever it was. You've got a Heisman candidate as your quarterback, the best runner in ACC history standing behind him. You punt for a third fucking time. And they go right down the field and score again. The game's over, man. What are you doing punting the football? Read the room. You can't stop a nosebleed. You have to play in a shootout, and you're punting the ball back to them. So what do they do? They hand it to Trey Sermon one or two times, and they get right down to where they would have lost turnover on downs anyway in two or three plays and in a minute and a half. It was a boat race, and that's surprising to see from Dabo Sweeney, and it's surprising to see from the guys he had in his backfield. But credit goes to Ohio State. They whooped their ass. And then they rub their faces in it. And they deserve to. You want to talk shit about us? Well, what's up? Rank them 11th, and that's what you get. What's up? They got Trey Sermon staring right into the camera, staring right into America's eyes and smirking. 
because he knows they're going to the national championship, which should be an electric football game. I I think Ohio State I think Ohio State can beat him. I don't know if they will or not. You know, he's going to have to play. The key to me is can they run the ball again? If I'm not, I don't expect them to run it, I'm not saying can they run it the way they did against Clemson, which was you know basically like they were non-existent. But if they can run the football with some modicum of success against Alabama, they got a real chance to win the game. Absolutely positive. Absolutely positive. Well, it's another instance. We talked about this with Notre Dame, who clearly wasn't capable of doing such a thing on offense. It's another instance of you got to keep Alabama's offense off the field. Keep the two Heisman candidates and the fifth place Heisman candidate off the football field. Now, easier said than done against Alabama's defense, but we have mentioned that an Achilles heel to Alabama this season has been giving up sometimes a lot of points. Specifically, Florida comes to mind, where they ended up in a shootout. You can go into a shootout with Alabama. That's why the line is set, I think it's at 75, the over-under for the game, and it'll probably go up to close to 80. They're expecting that sort of thing. I think Ohio State might try the run game, but then might end up reverting into a shootout. Now, we don't know yet, and I don't think we will, how Justin Fields is feeling after he said his whole right side was messed up. He went into the tent. They gave him a couple shots. He said, what's wrong? And they said, oh, you're fine. And they didn't give him a diagnosis. Whatever they shoot these people up with in the locker room out, we need that while we wait for this vaccine to come around, like in the summertime. Give us whatever you're shooting these dudes up with so we can beat this thing and get to the summer. They come out of there well, looking like new men. I know it works because I had my first cortisone shot. I this torn ACL that I tore in 1985 in the spring. And don't get me wrong, I couldn't go out and run the way I used to, but I, I felt like he had a new knee. There you go. Whatever they whatever they shot him up with, he so, went out, and you had no idea that he was I under duress. I am going to stick with Alabama here because I think they just have too much offense and are too well coached, and I think that they – my concern with Alabama is that in these these playoff games, we have seen their defense be shredded by everyone, with the exception right. of Notre Dame, because Notre Dame just doesn't have they, they don't have the athletes to play with these teams. It's as simple as that. They just do not. It's not a knock on Brian Kelly. It's not a knock on the program. They had a good year. They're a good team. They're simply not a great football team. They're not an upper ash upper echelon team athletically. Speed, size. Athleticism. They, they do that on purpose. That's how they recruit. So there's no problem with that. It's fine. But people should just know that's the situation. You're exactly that's right. The deal. This is how it is. That's that, that's what it's, you're going to get. You're going to get Notre Dame in this game, and you're going to see them get smoked <laughs> by teams like Alabama and by teams like Ohio State. Uh, you know, I would love to see. I would love to see Notre Dame play A and M. I think that would be a terrific game. I'd love to see Oklahoma play a and or Oklahoma play Notre Dame. I think there's be good games. But these these teams are too athletic and physical on both sides of the ball. There's simply too many weapons. And Ohio State shows it, and Alabama shows it. But I just have an inkling that uh, Alabama is going to have a little too much. And I think the injury could play a big role I, look, I just can't see him playing two games like that in a row. 
The Alabama quarterback's been very consistent all year long. He's been very accurate. If you give him time, he will pick you apart. We know about their weapons, including the Heisman Trophy winner. Jalen Waddle may be back. We'll have to see about that. Najee Harris is a terrific running back. Yes, Ohio State can score and they have weapons, but I am still, call me an idiot, quarterback's got to show me again. Got to show me again. So I'm going to say Alabama wins this game, and I'm going to give it to you 34. I'm going to go low. We're on the under no matter what. No matter what you pick, we're on the under. 34. That's not enough points, is it? They was score 34 against Notre Dame. Uh, all right, 40 to 20, 40 to 27. 40 to 27. I think what Ohio State needs to happen is something that we don't usually see in these shootout games, and that's turnovers. And I'm not just talking them even being on the fault of the players. A ball gets tipped and falls into the wrong hands, quirky fumble. We've seen playoff games, not just in college, but in all sorts of pros, change on tips and weird and who knew that was going to happen type of turnovers. If that finally happens to Alabama, it doesn't matter how well they're doing on offense. If it's a shootout and Ohio State is keeping up with them and you find a way to gain those one or two possessions, that could be the game. Now, are they going to be able to do that, Ohio State? Because no team has against Alabama. These shootouts are all well and good. Alabama plays Florida. There's one interception that comes from Mac Jones out of his five touchdown passes. I mean, he's not throwing three. We also have to remember, we don't know how healthy and how available Ohio State is going to be because of the virus. Right. And there's already Kristen Saban got a little chirpy on Twitter potentially not believing the rumors that went around ever so briefly that potentially the game would have to be moved because there was fear a position group tested positive with Ohio state and they wouldn't be able to play. They'd have to move the game up a week. She took to Twitter and said that they're just trying to get their quarterback more rest. This is all balderdash protected her account, deleted the tweet, walked back what she said, meaning somebody, I don't know, Maybe the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide might have shot her a phone call and said, what the hell are you doing? Get this off the Internet. Understandably so. I will still go with Alabama myself to piggyback off of you just because of what they've shown. And it's to the point where it was in the ACC for a lot of times talking about Clemson until they show you otherwise. It's so hard to go against them. And Justin Fields, maybe not being 100 percent. I have a hard time thinking he will be. It's if it was two weeks, you could understand, but it's not the slowest of turnarounds, even though you get a couple more days from what he said and for how he looked, there's, there's going to be some sort of lingering effect there, especially if he gets hit. I'm sure he'll have one of those like bulletproof vest things going around his chest to make sure that he'll have some sort of protection, but I'm going to have to go with the team that has looked the part all year, has had the sample size to give us enough examples of it, not just one game, not just one historic performance. Consistency. Got to go with the Crimson Tide. They've done it every week. Their offense has been consistently brilliant. Their defense, okay. They are healthy. Uh, As I said, they may have Jalen Waddell back, which would just be, I mean, that's like. Cruel is what it is. It's cruel. Unfair, simple as that. Because he is he is a better player than the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, as great as the Heisman Trophy winner is, Jalen Waddle is the most electric player in the country. Now, will he be one hundred percent? I I would think not. But would they let him play if he wasn't? 
So we'll have to wait and see on that. Again, the, another factor besides the fact of the, the health, what does the lack of health because of the virus do to Ohio State's depth and staying fresh versus wearing down against the Alabama offense? So I think that's another big factor to consider. Uh, you know, because if you don't have your full complement of players and all your athletes, college, they substitute a lot more than they do in pros. Play a lot of guys to keep them fresh. Keeping up with that Alabama offense is tough enough as it is. If you don't have your full complement of healthy bodies to provide depth and blows and rest to not cramp up or run out of gas, could be a long night for the house state defense. So uh, I, I've got to go with Alabama. I said Jalen Hurts had to play the best game of his career in order to beat Clemson, and somehow he did that tenfold when they played Clemson and destroyed them. It's hard not to say he's going to have to have a similar game if they're not able to control the ball solely running it and end up in a shootout with Alabama, going touchdown for touchdown, blow for blow, which would be thrilling for us as college football fans. This is a weekend, if you're a football fan, could be one of your favorite weekends of the sports year. You got two days worth of wildcard games, the national championship on Monday, and we have tons of exciting storylines to take us through those three days. Hopefully we'll have some close games and some competitive games that can take our mind off of the horror show of tonight, January 6th, 2021, a shameful night for America. Well, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, enjoy your football. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lunt, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.